Hello, Lori. Hello, Krells. <laughs> this is Carb Face. It's a podcast. It's a podcast about food. What else is it about? Uh, it is a podcast about herpes. Uh-huh. Uh, Triscuits. Yeah, Triscuit herpes for sure. Um, Full herp. Self-loathing. Self-loathing as a mom. As a mom. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Who can do anything. Yep. And he's great in everything. I just saw him in Dear Evan Hansen. Yes, he was great as the mother. Yes. Which, which mother? Both. Yes, that's right. That's the correct answer. Both mothers. Both and then in that moment in Dear Evan Hansen, when all of Evan's lies yeah. and it, his world comes crashing down. Yep. And they're singing the song, the duet together, mm-hmm. about how sad everything is. Yeah. And it's just the mom and Evan. Yeah. Evan's mom. Right. Both of those are played by Lynn Manuel. Yes, so he plays Evan and both mothers. So yeah. when he collapses into his own arms, oh yeah, it's it know, is stunning. It's beautiful, and yeah. just the way that he did that as Evan collapsing into his mother, she mm-hmm. sits on the couch, and it, it's kind of a what is that? The Pieta? Is that how you say it? Pieta? The I I don't the, know. The Virgin Gluten Free Lily. The virgin, <laughs> virgin Mary holding the dead Jesus. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Right? It's kind of like a modified version of that as he collapses right. into her. And then Lin-Manuel really added to it by putting both of his angles behind his head. Yeah. Uh, which he's a versatile performer. Which was beautiful. Yeah. It was very, yeah. very Also because beautiful. he was not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> it, was that, it was that kind of show. It was a Sunday matinee. Yep. It's, a, it's a nude... Uh, clothing optional performance. All right. Well, none of that can be used. So let's... Is that true? Uh, no. It's not true. I made one, maybe a good joke and a half. No, I didn't make any good ones, so that's why we were going to cut it. Cool. (laughs) Cool story, bro. Are people still saying that? What? Cool story, bro. I do. Okay. Not often. Yeah. I feel like it's played out, and yet it's my favorite thing. Cool story. Bro. (laughs) Title of the podcast. Lori, we're here. Yep. We've got some big things coming up next week. Do you know what they are? I, no idea. Okay. Not, not, a, not a one. As we tape this, and I think as or as we record this, because mm-hmm. I'm a child of the 80s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as we tape this, next Tuesday, something very important happens. Or is it you're going to see you? See you next Tuesday? No. What? No. No. Election day? No. No idea. New shoes come out from, I'm going to say Saucony. Okay. Sauconi? I've never heard it said out loud. I've never said it out loud. All right. We're going to say Sauconi. Sauconi? Sauconi. I don't know. Sauconi. It's one of these things that I've never, literally never heard said. Sauconi 2012. Okay. (laughs) Bring back our shoes. (laughs) New shoes. Avocado toast. What? That's the color or like they have a print of avocado toast on them? No, those are the colors. They've done a burger one before. Which was kind of a bun color, like a toasted okay. bun, probably darker than, what's that? Uh, what are those Jesus buns that everybody uses? The wafers, the community no, wafers? No, no, no. The actual hot dog Ezekiel. buns. No, hot, hot dog buns. And everybody uses them and they're the best and they're from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, oh, which is where um, my wife is from and I can't remember them. Potato. Yeah, the potato rolls. Yeah, Martinsons. The Martins. What Martins. does Jesus have to do with no, it exactly? No, they're very Christian. 
Are they? Extremely. God damn it. Yeah, sure. Fucking <laughs> fuck. I had no idea. Yeah. Super Jesus buns. So they're the color of Super Jesus buns and ketchup. That that was the previous version of the Sakuni burger buns. Now they're doing avocado toast, which is going to be a lightly toasted whole grain bread color on the bottom. And then a lightish, not mint. Avocado. Well, that would be the color, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is on on the top. Will you be buying them? They drop on Feb 26. I got no fucking time for this. Are you kidding me? Why wouldn't you buy them? Food shoes. Did you buy them Momofuku shoes? No. Listen, I buy like one pair of shoes Mm -hmm. every two years. Sure. Uh, I have very wide feet. So most, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to brag. My feet are very wide and very fucked up. Uh, So most shoes are off the table for me. I haven't worn heels in like 20 years. Normal. Um, I, you know, fuck that shit. I mean, are they for children? Are they for babies? No, 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 no. They're for a real adult. Hmm. They're for Real. baby men. <laughs> and whatever the female equivalent of a baby man is. Fuck that. I mean, great. Good job, everyone. Are you everyone. excited? Are you no, going to get those? I'm, I'm excited with rage. <laughs> like, I don't want to think about food being in contact with the ground. Mm-hmm. Last night, I was running for the subway on an elevated platform. So I was running up the stairs and I caught my toe on the step and I fell up oh. the stairs in a crowd of people. Oh. First of all, missed the train. Yeah. Uh, second of all, you know, just took a face plant on the stairs, but caught myself with my hands, cut my hands open, and then my hands were just in the schmuck of, of subway stairs. And, you know, it's like wet crap. It's February. And I was like, well, I have MRSA now and I'm going to die. So why would I want to put something that even makes me think about food in contact with that all day, every day? Step in dog shit with your fucking food shoes. Good job, everyone. Cool story, bro. <laughs> That's my feeling about that. But if we were to make our own line of food shoes. <laughs> I know you've already got contracts signed with some you shady know, manufacturer. Merch is very important to yes, me right now. Clearly. Uh, we're going to do full herps. Yeah. Okay. We're going to oh, no, full dinty. We're going to do full dinty. And herp mouth. Herp mouth. We're going to try to get away with Trisket herpes, but we have to spell it in a way so that... Clisket. Clisket herpes. Clisket. Clisket's back. Yeah. So if we were to design a line of shoes for Clis... Okay. That were food related. Food or and or drug related, because I think that's pretty important to Clis. Sure. New listeners. Clis is I. Uh, It's me. Uh, It is I. Uh, but super pervy and very drugged up, loves cocaine and poppers. That's yes. that's the defining trait of, Cl- of mm-hmm. Cliss. And also has a job hosting uh, mm-hmm. an afternoon local sort of variety talk show where they bring on like the kid that does the thing and the choir that's singing mm-hmm. in the thing mm-hmm. and the fucking auto sales guy who's got some dubious angle. Yeah, and Cliss is, he's a good host. Yeah. But he's not a good person. He's disappointed at his lot in yeah. life. He's in like a fourth tier market, but he believes that he is like a first tier guy. That's right. And he doesn't get his pancake makeup correct every time. Mm. And so he he is a little sweaty. Yeah. 
and you can see the uh, bubbling of the yeah. makeup. He's itchy too because I mean well, the, the makeup's itchy. Who isn't? He's well, it's who like isn't? from he shaved all of his body hair and that's growing back. From noon to three is a time when he has told himself he's not going to take any drugs. <laughs> any drugs that are in his system are fair game, and he's got it all lined up for three p.m. in his dressing room. But from mm-hmm. noon to three, he's on air, and it's a tough it's a tough look for everybody. So. What we're thinking about is how can we create some shoes for Cliss? Yeah. Let's go top three. Okay. Top three shoes for Cliss. Go. Cottage cheese socks. <laughs> so they're not shoes. They're socks. They're white. And they've got that like um, nonstick bubbling on the bottom mm-hmm. that you have in like hospitals and trampoline centers. Yeah. Uh, they're white. So they're immediately disgusting. The minute you put them on your feet, they're ruined. What is the tread made out of? Cottage cheese. Cottage cheese, sure. Or maybe like an amalgam of cottage cheese, old school packing peanuts, mm-hmm. and... Dried um, up mango. Cocaine. Cocaine. It's Fine. a doll made out of cocaine. <laughs> That's the only line I remember from that drug movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas. It was so good. Traffic. Traffic. Uh, number two, shoes for Cliss. Uh, Food shoes for Cliss. What does Cliss eat? Ketchup packet. Ketchup packet stilettos. Yeah. That he doesn't ever, he's only got them on when he's on his bag, if you know what I'm saying. But they they are clear heels (laughs) and the heels are just crammed with off-brand ketchup packets. Mm. We're not doing a Heinz. We're not even doing a Hunt's. We're doing a like no brand, maybe some like Jesus-y upstart, uh, you know. Jesus ketchup. Jesus ketchup. Yep. Yeah. Crucifixion ketchup. Yeah. It's clear heels stuffed with Jesus ketchup packets. Great. That have are a little bit leaking. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And the longer you wear them, the more like microscopic insects and then larger visible insects become apparent. It's like uh-huh. a like a terrarium or uh, you know, sea monkeys. Do you watch Busy Tonight? I don't. I feel like I should. I feel Please like I do. would like her. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. And friend of the pod. Okay. Casey Casey St. Ange okay. uh, produces the show, showrunner. Okay. If you look on... Friend of this pod? Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, she's she's a friend of the pod. Wow. Hello, Casey. Yeah. Uh, she used to produce the Watch What Happens Live show, uh, yeah, co-produce yeah. it. Okay. And then she was plucked by Busy to come out to it LA. Seems like a perfect fit. And produce her show, and it's really fun. Wow. And I like it so much. One okay. of the things that Busy does uh-huh. is she'll wear Mr. Nightgown at the end of the show. So for the last segment, she dresses in a nightgown, does something fun, and then sings a song to, to close the show. It's the same song with slightly different lyrics. Uh-huh. But what she also does is you see her get real comfy on the couch. Okay. And so there will be heels on the couch. Okay. Doesn't matter what she's wearing. Heels are going to be up on the couch. Feet tucked under. You know, tucked heels, back you and under. You say heels, you mean a body part, not a shoe. I mean both, right? Okay. So like her feet are tucked up and she's usually wearing heels or a strappy sandal. Huh. Here's where it connects to Cliss. Okay. I feel like Cliss is going to wear the ketchup heels yeah. on the afternoon show. He's okay. going to get real comfy like Busy yeah. does. Yeah. Make it casual. Okay. And make it Instagram friendly. Of course. Is what I'm trying to say. Of course. How do you feel about Cliss wearing ketchup heels on his show? I assume that all the furniture on his set is entirely wipe downable and probably even like <laughs> hazmatable. So 
you know, because once his any of his skin touches anything, it's like you, you burn it. <laughs> Or you put it in the Chernobyl no-go mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard a fascinating story about that on the radio the other day. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not Super. relevant at all to this conversation. But, <laughs> Might uh, be. I, I love one of the, my favorite headlines ever from the National Enquirer from the late 80s was um, just a picture of like, I don't know what was going on. Uh, it was a picture of a chicken that had like an extremely long, like a giraffe neck. I'm assuming uh, this was like some sort of ancient Photoshop situation. Sure. Chicken with a giraffe neck, and the headline was Chernobyl chicken six feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners who are not a million years old, Chernobyl, terrible nuclear accident in the Ukraine in 1986. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Cliss would fuck that chicken. (laughs) Absolutely. Every which way. Absolutely. Yeah. Would fuck a six foot tall chicken. Keep fucking that chicken. Isn't that, that's where <laughs> that's, that comes from, right? Yeah, that, that's that exactly was, what they were referencing, was, the newscaster who said, yeah. keep fucking that chicken. <laughs> he meant Cliss. Yeah. Fucking that Chernobyl chicken. <laughs> six feet tall. <laughs> Number three, food shoe food for Cliss. shoes for Cliss. Um, I want to say something with eggs. Okay, eggs. Like where there's an egg in the sole of the shoe every day you load in a fresh egg okay is I'm it with you. is it raw is it hard boiled is it poached in the shell we don't know it's a mystery every time it's like a fun choose your own egg venture uh, <laughs> you want to kill me <laughs> i can't believe you're laughing at that i feel like you're doing charity work here right now i think it was very funny uh and so then and then this is sort of maybe it's sort of along the lines of the uh, it's, it's similar to the ketchup heels but so the so the egg goes into the to the soul, sure. and then just depending on where you are, what you're doing, how you're um, carrying your weight that day. Right. I mean, the egg inevitably breaks, and Absolutely. then it makes a, a mess for somebody else. But you get to walk away from it. So if if Cliss were to visit Las Vegas mm-hmm. in the middle of summer, Cliss mm-hmm. could cook an egg in the shoe. Yeah. And that is a good TV segment. Yeah. I mean, so really, I like it would it. be cooking the egg. On either side of the shoe. I mean, the, it's a, it's like a, um, it's a breathable sole. Is it? The, the egg is going to eventually squish out the sides. I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. I was picturing now, If you remember uh, the movie from '80s, '90s, I'm going to get you, sucker. I okay. In title only, yes. Sure. Uh, there was a, a gentleman who wore very uh, large heels, and there was a goldfish in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so yeah. that's what I was picturing yep. as an egg in there, like oh, a goldfish. Okay. Okay. But you're saying it's really the whole soul. It's the soul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so every day is a different disaster. Every day is a different egg. Which, yeah. Uh, so there's that one. I guess if you're if we're if we're going back to the original concept of a of a shoe whose cloth somehow resembles a food that apparently you want to put on your foot for some fucking reason. Right. Cauliflower crust pizza. That's real nice. Yeah. That's on trend. Yeah, is it? Yeah. I feel like it works. Oh, it's, yeah. it's maybe the ship has left the harbor. No, no, on that no. One. It's only getting right. more popular every day. All right. It's so good. that's good. It's not good. Could I suggest something? Please. Yes. Hi, Chushu. Okay. All right. No, is it a sneaker? It's it's whatever you want. Okay. It's a pump first. First, it starts as a pump. That feels right. <laughs> Is it like the Easy Spirit pumps yeah, that you can play absolutely. basketball in? Yeah, you could play basketball, run through the city, and go oh, out to dinner. Wow, day so, to evening. A day evening for sure. Could you do an aerobics class in it? Of course you could. Yeah. <laughs> of course you could. We're bringing back so many touch points in this segment. 
Uh, so here's what I'm thinking. I, I tried the new Haichu, and mm-hmm. I have to apologize to you, and I'm looking you straight in the eyes. You didn't save any for me. I didn't. My son and I ate them all. That's fine. What is the new Haichu? It's the acai with the No, it's, it's dragon fruit. Oh, okay. It's at 7-Eleven only right now. Huh. I stopped at three 7-Elevens. Okay. Distribution had not quite occurred yet. Found it at the third. Didn't okay. find it at the second. Certainly didn't find it at the first. New Jersey or New York? Jersey. Okay. When I found them, let out a, you know, a Yelp, mm-hmm. grabbed two bags, and the owner said, I've got more in the back. Oh. <gasps> I wow. said, two will be good. <laughs> I should have gotten more in the back, and I apologize to you. Wow. Looking you in the eye. I'm okay. sorry I didn't bring you any sorry. dragon fruit. Hi, Chew. It's okay. Purplish. Okay. Different than the acai. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's a little lighter. I could be wrong. Got to be honest. Ate them quickly. In color, you mean. Yep, in yeah. color. And delightful. How do they taste? Okay. Exactly like dragon fruit, but better. Okay. I was going to say... Dragon fruit to me, I cannot conjure up what the flavor of dragon fruit is. I haven't had it that many times. Okay, it's not. It's hard to find it that ta- where it tastes like anything. Where we live here on the East Coast, and where I've been places where they grow dragon fruit, it's been a long time. Yeah. My memory is that it's, it's more visual appeal than flavor appeal. That this fruit, but I, you know what, I could be wrong. Well, the Haichu Company found a way to make it taste good. To make it taste very dragon fruity. I believe it. Okay. High recommend. Get yourself to 7-Eleven. Lori, I will bring you some. Lori, I did bring you candy, though. Thank God. Because I, yeah. I knew if I oh. didn't. Now, I, I panicked this morning. Okay. Do you know the, uh, the movie about the Iraq War and the guy comes back and it's uh, Jeremy Hurt Locker. Renner Hurt Locker and mm-hmm. he's in the cereal aisle and there are too many choices. Yes. yes. This may have been referenced on the podcast before. <laughs> I, it's, it's ringing some bells. It's come okay. up in conversation quite recently. I just want to say that's how I felt today. Huh. I, in the Haribo aisle? In. Haribo. Kmart. Oh, God. Okay. So okay. go into Penn Station. Uh-uh. I think who's going to have the biggest candy aisle? Is it going to be the Walgreens Dwayne Reed? Mm-hmm. No. I say to myself, it's going to be Kmart. Guess wow. what? It wasn't. Uh-oh. That place. Ghost Town. I didn't, I didn't even remember that Kmart still exists. Just the bankruptcy type of Okay. Deal. The zombie Kmart. Yeah. They have no Easter candy. Think about that. Damn. No Easter candy. Why are they even open? Why do you exist if you don't have it Easter candy? It is literally a week after Valentine's Day. Everybody has Easter candy. Yeah. Candy. Everybody. They were putting it out on the night of Valentine's Day in my Walgreens. Yes. So was my Acme. Yeah. They were ready. So I went down to Walgreens again, paralyzed. Did know what to get you. So here's what I got you. I got you a Haribo Happy Cola. Perfect. Great. Oh, really? Yeah. Love it. I got you Haribo Berries. Never had them before. Very intrigued. Oh, that's exciting. And brand new Haribo Sour Cubes Zing. That's what it says. (laughs) Um, Now, Haribo, as we've discussed before, has a thing with teeth and making everybody look like dum-dums. Yeah, yeah. And they do not disappoint. They don't disappoint on the sour cubes. It looks like uh, a cube version of Cuber, Hello 80s Children, uh, but square with a big purple tongue sticking out, giant purple eyes on top of a red cube that its little tiny arms are out like Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, uh, so super tiny. And it's just screaming zing with an exclamation point for an eye. Wow. There's a lot happening there here. There's a lot happening. There's, it's so European. It made me mad, which is why I got it. 
Made me mad, but hopeful. Yeah. Okay. That maybe they will deliver on the zing. Right. Of the tiny cube. It's a political dummy. metaphor. <laughs> yes, it surely is. Which would, would you want them all? Yes, I want to try one of each. All right. And you should as well. Okay, I'm going to try the zing. My sister told me that she had a panic attack listening to us, listening to me in particular, eat Pop-Tart, handmade bougie hand pies on mic while talking to Dick Holdanis. Yeah. And and I said, oh, you you have misophonia. And she she was like, yeah, I do. I do. I Undiagnosed. do. Yeah, she, I do. She but was we so stopped mad. it. But we stopped it. Yeah, I said, you don't even know how many other noises were there. I said, Chris made us. Chris made us. And it was kind of an abrupt edit point, too. It sure but, was. Um, it was an evil edit right in the middle of you talking. So you're trying the berries. They look like red, sort of raspberry shaped and black raspberry shaped. I don't know that they actually taste like red raspberry and black raspberry. You're thinking about it. You're chewing. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's a gumdrop shape. And I'm going to open. I'm going to break one open to see. It's a clear gumdrop. I had the red one. It does taste like red raspberry. Not overly so, but there's definitely a raspberry flavor in there. It's a clear gumdrop that then has been coated with glue that's, I'm sure, entirely made of sugar. And then uh, these little, I want to say they're like nerds. They're like non-sour, non-offensive nerds that may also have some flavor element to them. So there are black ones for black raspberries. And then there are red ones for red raspberries. I will say, I think the red ones definitely outnumber the black ones in the bag. Uh, would yeah, you eat them again? Good. I would eat them again. Yeah. yeah. They're not, because they're not, they're like a little more subtle. I guess they're like, if you feel like you want to pretend you're eating fruit, eat mm-hmm. these. Because they're a little more subtle, they don't have that like instant, whatever that thing is that Evil Candy and other food companies do where they like engineer some sort of like insane craveability index with their flavors where it's like you cannot help but just like, empty the whole bag in your mouth. Like these are something that I could eat slowly, mindfully. I could eat a couple of them and put it away. Okay. In theory, I don't know. I'm testing it out. I've been listening to this meditation on eating where it's just like, just eat some, enjoy it, and then be done versus like compulsively eat the whole bag. Mm -hmm. Keep going back to the, put it away, put it up on an increasingly higher shelf, get a ladder, get it down, eat some more, put it back, maybe put it in the freezer, maybe attach a note to the bag and be like, stop eating it. And then keep ignoring all the steps that you've taken until it's gone and then go to bed. I don't recommend that. It's not great. These, however, are great. Is it too much? Is it too much? No, it was just, it was a lot to process. And I was thinking about uh, sour cubes. It says exotic flavors on there. I just saw that and I don't like the word exotic anymore because think, exotic to whom well right are you saying like in is there no context in which exotic can be used as a word because no, i'm gonna I, disagree with I, you i think it can okay. i just don't think haribo's taking us to exoticism yeah uh, and i don't think these flavors rise to exotic yeah i don't think grapefruit <laughs> which is what <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna pin that flavor the first one yeah would i put these on a higher shelf i would not i can stop took one i think it's also from yeah. the color i'm gonna say it's grapefruit that looks great which fruity. is a flavor that i like in candy. i do too i do too and i like these i think they're kind of soft they have the uh what i'm gonna call caster sugar that really fine sugar on the outside on the jelly really good not exotic not terribly sour we're not talking a sour patch kids extreme sour Mm -hmm. and if you don't know what i'm talking about then you're missing out on life or airheads extreme sour just talking a little sour a little tangy yeah i think 
I've never seen a package uh, graphics more less carefully considered or designed. And I think the use of the word exotic is totally of a piece with that. I mean, there are like a couple different crazy fonts. Like we, you said, there's the wacky cube. The word, I agree, grapefruit's not exotic unless maybe you are like from a small northern German town and you've never left and you don't even know that citrus exists. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure they can get fucking And you've got rickets. There. And you've got rickets. Not that that's related to citrus, but yeah. I feel like you do have rickets. Yeah. These are fine. Yeah, I don't think I would... Um, have a problem walking away from them. Scurvy. That's what I was looking for. If you're okay. a scurvy German child. Yeah. What is rickets? Rickets feels related. It's like you also, you learned about it on the same day in 10th grade scurvy biology. Scurvy and rickets, but there were yeah. pirates and then I don't know what the rickets were. Yeah. It's like a vitamin K deficiency or something. Sure. It's like, <laughs> it's like a child of a pirate. Quashiorcor was another one. What is it? Quashiorcor. N- no. It's another that sounds deficiency. exotic. Yeah, I think it's that's more like a more related to like extreme famine. Oh, good times. That's <laughs> Let's eat some not exotic at all candy. Okay. Um, all right, and I'm going to open the happy cola. Which these now these this is one for some reason the cola any kind of cola flavored candy is I find compulsively edible. Like the um, mm-hmm. the cola high chew, I I that I think that's my favorite flavor. The fizzy. Yeah. 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 Lori. Hello. Again. It's, it's my birthday. Oh my God. Not today. Don't. Tomorrow. No. Sunday. Monday. The 25th? Yeah. I took my birthday off of public view from Facebook. Smart. Because I cannot handle needing to practice gratitude mm-hmm. to that level. Yeah. If people say to me, hey, asshole, happy birthday, that feels good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Even if they were to drop the asshole mm-hmm. or to drop the happy birthday. Either way, <laughs> fine. Mm-hmm. But to have a hundred people care about me, yeah, it, it makes me want to run away. Mm-hmm. But I know publicly I have to, they, they made the effort and that's very, very kind. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So I try to go back and respond to everyone Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Maybe give it a like. I mean, I, but I really try to say thank you to every person. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that I, I anymore. Am, I have never felt more on the same. I've never felt on the same page with you in any way. Right. right. <laughs> um, is this our moment? This is our moment. Because I, I 100% agree with you. I never put, I never even initially put my birthday on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think it was more out of a sense of like, I don't, that's personal information that I don't need out there sure. for people to whatever, try and fucking scam me in some way. But I also became aware that it was like, yeah, I don't need, what, how meaningful is it for somebody to like, in the morning, they open up their browser, Facebook, oh, up in the corner, today's Chris's birthday. And then they go, oh, I guess I'll say happy birthday. It's fucking meaningless. I'm sorry. I get it. You, you took 10 seconds to type happy birthday on my yeah. thing. It's performative nonsense, and I want no part of it. So I'm a thousand percent on board with you. And then, and then you do have to be like, thanks, thanks for thinking of me. And then sometimes it's people that you don't know. Uh, there was a woman, or, or like, yeah, yes. There was an instance where someone had died, 
I think I know who it was. Someone had died, but her family had decided to keep her Facebook page active so that people could talk to each other and maybe, you know, in the aftermath of her death, share information about her memorial or whatever, and then just wanted to keep it open because mm-hmm. it felt good and right mm-hmm. for her family to do that. And when it when her birthday came around after she had died, there were like at least a dozen people that clearly did not fucking know her from a hole in the ground. And we're like, hey, I hope you have a great day. Happy birthday. And it's like, you are a fucking asshole. Like, take that 10 seconds. To go, is this person still alive? Yeah, I want to just check the... I have, check the pulse on this person on yeah. Facebook. I mean, it's an honest mistake, but it's like so it so clearly illustrates that it's meaningless, you know? Yeah. Listen, if if you I don't want to take joy away from people and part of isolating my birthday I do. Make it <laughs> fine. As I did it, I thought, am I putting myself into a hole where I am starting to limit my human interaction with people? And then I realized, no, I'm good. Yeah. It's okay. To build some fences yeah, and say, I don't want to spend my birthday feeling guilty about not thanking people fast enough. That is such good self-care. So I chose not to <laughs> not to take any thanks or any, yep. any wishes from anyone. I think that's fine. People who know you will know it's your birthday. But, but they, I, it's not like I you know, walk around with a sign going, hey, my birthday's on February 25th. Sure. I should, I think obviously. you just did. <laughs> no, I don't. This is after, this yeah. is after, this is going up after my birthday. Go fuck yourself if you wish me happy birthday. Uh, not that you don't mean it, but we're good. Uh, just like and subscribe to the podcast. That's all you have to yeah. do. Speaking of which, Lori, we have some phenomenal reviews on iTunes. Do we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I know one of them. <laughs> you do? Did you leave it? Uh, I didn't leave it, but I definitely mandated it. You mandated it. I wonder. So if here's you can... the one that I think is <laughs> is uh, that you mandated. So, as new listeners may not know, we have a character called Ezema. Mm-hmm. Lori and I both do this voice. Yeah. I tend to go I, I a little more ridiculous uh-huh. with it. You created it, mm. and then I stole it from. I you. feel like I I stole it from somebody else. Fine, yeah. uh, but but we read five-star reviews as many as we can in the as a mom voice so here we go from january 1st 2019 it's pajama relay team member it's a win-win five stars it's my new year's resolution to eat my weight in high chews and religiously listen to cob face as a mom i highly suggest you do the same if you do Lori and i will perform a french horn duet of Caravan. <laughs> Is that the one you mandated? No, but I know exactly who wrote that. Well, thank and I you. I want to say thank you, listener. Thank you, listener. You know who you are. I can say thank you, Robin. Hey, Robin. Thank you so much. It was really, really nice. And or I would may love... have been Wendy, but I think it was Robin. Well, Wendy or Robin, I would love to hear your French horn duet of Caravan. Send it in. Send us an <laughs> MP3 of that, please. Uh, from January 3rd, 2019, Rory George. Chris is my biological father and won't return my emails. Five stars. Can the manager please tell him to get back to me? Thanks. Wow. I mean, you I have can, more children than we even I have more know. children than I knew. Uh, other than fart sandwich. Yes. Apparently I have more children. From January 14th. By Persian food. Best food podcast. Five stars. Could have stopped right there. That yeah. is correct. Yeah. Best food podcast mm-hmm. love many others but not all of them mm-hmm. and as 
we say on here, you like what you like, mm-hmm. and what you like is for you, but not everything is for you. Yeah. Some food pack podcasts are garbage. Yeah. Thank you. Now back to the review. I love the sense of humor and self-awareness of Chris and Lori. It's the opposite of every other food <laughs> podcast. Correct. That is, that is to say, it doesn't sit in a high horse or on. I'm going to say in. We don't sit in a high horse or on it. No. So would no, I sit in a horse? I would. Yeah, a dead horse. A dead horse, like a dead pony. Empire Strikes Back style. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Lori, if I were freezing to death, mm-hmm. I give you permission to cut open my pony. <laughs> Susie. Susie, thank you. Alive or dead, yeah, and tuck me inside her sinking belly. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. And then I'll just freeze to death. And it's actually fun to listen. That's not my problem. <laughs> it's not just for moms like me. Oh, there's another one. Oh my god. Oh, five stars from Winzy Mama, January fifteenth. As a mom, oh, she shit. puts stars all around it. <laughs> I so appreciate this podcast. Thank you, Cobface Pod, for making my tedious commute at least a thousand percent more enjoyable. I thoroughly enjoy ugly laughing on a routine basis at your completely off the wall and irreverent yet accurate commentary on food and life. Highly recommend this podcast to those of you who also have highly sophisticated humor of an eight-year-old boy, (laughs) eggplant emoji, poop emoji, and enjoy indulging your inner cynic slash misanthrope from time to time. Respect to you also for regularly including guests who are people of color or persons of color and women. Cobface, keep it profane and keeping it real. Wow. Three fist bumps. That's a fantastic review. Oh. I feel so seen on every level. There are more. God. But I'm not going to read them. Okay. I'm save you did those. not get to the one that I mandated, though. Well, who is it? What is it? This is my son. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if you can figure out which one it is. It's from, I want to say, like, oh, two weeks ago, maybe? Hmm. Maybe it didn't get saved. CFG 2019, hilarious? No? Mm. I don't know. You're going to have to find it. But there's nothing on here about your mom Mm. or about my mom Yeah. uh, or his mom. No. I made him subscribe, and then I think either I wrote the review or I made him <laughs> write the review according to what I wanted him to say. He may have gone and re- erased it because he's totally autonomous him. human being. Totally autonomous human being. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. You told him to do it. He may have, yeah. but didn't publish. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's we, nice that you make your child promote me. Promote review. I should get my kids to yeah, do that. Yeah, especially when he was like, Will you um will you talk about my YouTube channel on on your podcast? And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not here to promote you. Promote your own shit. That is so inappropriate. And then not two months later, I was like, promote your mother. <laughs> so. uh, I did not promote my kids' production of Annie. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry to have missed the boat. Yeah, it's. I think it's good. I think. Lori, tell me one good thing that happened to you this week i got to visit not only did i get to visit a zombie mall (laughs) but i got to visit the zombie mall of my youth 
That's and incredible. It was totally accidental. I did not know that it was a zombie mall. I was up in my hometown. We were taking the kids to the stinky trampoline place uh, to get some exercise and get out of the house for a while. Me and my sister and our kids. And uh, we hadn't checked the opening time of the stinky trampoline place, um, which I have to say is wonderful, wonderful. It's an interesting brand name, though, stinky yeah. trampoline. Yeah. it's Well, it just tells it like it is. There's a lot of trampolines. And it smells like ball sweat. <laughs> it just does. So it's a place where Cliss could wear his cottage cheese socks. <sighs> yes, Fine. yes, they would. They would definitely want that. Um, everyone would want that. Uh, so we had an hour to kill before the stinky trampoline place opened, and my sister said, "Well, why don't we go to Wegmans?" And I yeah. said, "And I said, are you fucking kidding me? It's eleven o'clock." Church just got out all over the area. Yeah. You want to go to Wegmans with three children right. and right. no purpose? We You're don't right. have a shopping list. We don't have, my parents' house has so much food. Like it would have been a crime to bring any more food into this house. I was like, we're not going to Wegmans. I am sorry. I said, why don't we go to the mall? The, the shopping town mall. It's close to the stinky trampoline Oh my place. God. What is it called? Shopping town. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> It's a theme. Oh I know, right? Can you believe oh it? Oh my god. Can you believe it? Your supermarket is called Food Town. Yep. Which is a town of food. Yep. So I was like, let's go to Shopping Town. We'll just walk around. We'll see the old mall. It's been for me many, you know, at least probably two decades since I've been in there. I'd love to see it. She goes, okay, we'll do that. So we pull up. It's 11 o'clock on a Sunday. I'm thinking it's going to be crowded. People are going to be there. There are not very many cars. Like there's, I want to say, five cars. And I'm huh. starting to feel like, is it open? Are you talking know, like outside of a Penny's? Are you going to one of the anchor stores where it should Penny's, be? Penny's, JC Penny's mm-hmm. is slash was one of the anchor stores. Sure. Uh, so I'm like, huh, okay, that's weird. Like there's not that many cars. It's 11 o'clock. Maybe it doesn't open till 12 because I don't know, back in the day, the malls didn't open till 12 on Sundays because Jesus. Uh, but no, it's open. We see like maybe one person going in. So we go in. And uh, there's one store that's like brightly lit, open. It's selling lacrosse gear only, just lacrosse gear. Lacrosse very big in Syracuse Uh, and with my family. Um, That's a side note. Look down the hallway. It is very clear that this is the only store that's open in the mall is the lacrosse that we can see from this section is the lacrosse store. Every other store has the gates down, lights off. And it's not like, oh, we're just about to open. It's like. There's no merchandise. <laughs> there is pigeon shit or whatever on the carpets. Mm-hmm. Like this is a zombie mall. And the only people that are in there are a security guard and some scales walking around mall walking, I guess. Um, Love the mall walk. Oh my God. It's, I mean, so that that is what this mall is about now is mall walking. And apparently I, I did a little bit of digging. It sounds like the owner of the mall hasn't paid taxes in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Everything's in this weird limbo. So we're like, we got to walk around. We got to check this out. So every store is closed except for the lacrosse store. Then there was a gymnastics center that sure. bizarrely Why, huge. Where else would you put it? Yeah. And then there was a batting cages. Um, <laughs> Normal mall stores. Yes. Uh, there were plants that hadn't been watered in probably a year. Mm-hmm. There was a, a dry fountain. And then in another part, there was a, a working fountain. Don't know why. Don't know what that, why that's happening, but okay. And there was something called family bathroom, which we all used, which <laughs> seemed... <laughs> 
it was open, but it was it made your average highway truck stop gas station bathroom seem like a you know penthouse suite at the Four Seasons. It was so fucking dank, and it had one of those big like serial killer like slide locks on the door. Like just there were stains on the carpet. Was it Legionnaire's disease? Was it blood? Was it rust? Or was it a beautiful amalgam of all those things? Mm-hmm. Unclear. It was upsetting in some ways. I mean, this is a mall that I spent a lot of time in as a youth. I regularly have dreams that happen in this mall. Mm. And um, those dreams were shattered. <laughs> uh, but of course, we walked around the whole thing. We were just amazed. Uh, we took a bunch of pictures. I put a bunch of pictures up on my personal Instagram if you want to go yeah, check it really out. And it seemed like the food places just left like under cover of night. Ming Wok left all of their like steamer pans that I think probably were full of water at some point and now are just full of like, uh, again, Legionnaire's disease. Did you take them? I did. Yes. Good. Yeah, yeah. Great. Take yeah. those home. Get ready take for your home. birthday present. <laughs> uh, so that was, as much as it was sort of a creepy, awful thing, it was the best. Because I've, I've looked at those pictures online of zombie malls or abandoned yeah. malls, and I've always thought, I want to go to see and that. That did. seems really fucking cool. And just by accident, we went to that. So it was, to me, much more enjoyable than stinky trampoline place, where I didn't jump because my knees were bothering me. Yeah. And I just and sat there just breathing in the fucking funk for Yeah, the ball sweat. So nice. Anyway. So you should have gone to Wegmans? I said to my sister as we were leaving the trampoline place, then I saw that there was a Trader Joe's, and I was like, oh, we could have gone to Trader Joe's. And she's like, God damn it! You <laughs> said we couldn't go to the grocery store because of... I, was like, I didn't know they had a Trader Joe's. You're interviewing Tavi Givenson today. I am, which of all people in the world is the person I most want to interview after canceling. I literally felt like that was my brain and my heart dumped into a post. And I was like, how is she in my head? Mm -hmm. Um, She articulated so transparently what it is to run an online publication that does not make scaling Mm -hmm. and profit such Mm -hmm. a huge goal. And I had spoken with her earlier, uh, like I think a year prior when she must have been in the VC phase of things. Mm. And I thought like, okay, this is the way I think most people are going now. I knew that wasn't an option for us. And then watching her close that out, it just, Mm. it really hit my heart. It's like throwing me for a loop the whole last week. And then I ran. We're talking about rookie? Yeah, Yeah. rookie closing. Um, And then I randomly, this interview was set up way prior to the announcement. So it just, I have so many questions for her. Yeah. I'm glad she kept it. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting to see people make choices like that that are based on kind of the integrity of how the project was started. That just never happens anymore. Mm-hmm. Like almost everybody sells everything or VCs. I don't have any judgment for that. I just it's a really hard thing because publications can't just be publications anymore. Right. They have right. to be products or tours or conferences or yeah. apps or you know. I just miss when a thing was just a thing. Yeah. What do we like there's no, I mean, I think there's, we're so far over the ledge at this point with, with publishing, like what's, what's going to happen? I mean, do it. <laughs> I don't know. I used to think that it was going to go in this like niche direction and that's where I was going with good company. And I was like, oh, you know, if, if kinfolk can survive and the gentlewoman and things like that, then, then there's a space for this kind of small curated publishing scene. But I don't think there actually is because 
I spoke with almost everybody who runs an independent magazine and very few people were profitable. Mm -hmm. And it was so much about like getting our foot in the door for some other project. Mm -hmm. And I don't, maybe I'm just at the age now where I don't have the energy to do a project that's not paid, that's exhausting, that's consuming, that just leads to maybe getting your foot in the door for another project that Mm -hmm. also won't pay and will Mm -hmm. be Mm -hmm. exhausting. So where are advertisers putting their money if not in print? I mean, this is the whole structure of Condé Nast is crumbling because, you know, auto companies are no longer financing, you know, them outright. So like, where does where's that money going to? I honestly, I think it's going into entertainment, to influencers, to paid placements Mm. with anything vaguely connected to a famous person that Mm. this like cult of celebrity that has taken over has just I think virtually changed the way we look at publishing and Mm. content Mm -hmm. in general and everything is valued by its proximity to a quote-unquote famous person Mm. which could even be just a not really famous person but just somebody who's famous on the internet and it's I guess it's sad but I don't know I think the part of me that's still like understands what it is to be a slightly younger person is like oh but this is this is how it's always been like things right. have always been rolling right. and evolving and changing it's just sad when you are a part of the thing that's yeah. being phased yeah. out yeah exactly um i end up doing a lot of work related to change and um and how people go through change and it's very much when you see yourself being left behind and you there's no new beginning for you it is um, devastating and yet things have to change and yeah. so uh, not being part of what's next I think is where a lot of us end up feeling um, angry <laughs> confused why can't it it was working so nicely why did it have to it was working but mm-hmm. it didn't even exist before right and then now it does exist and then it's changing into something else I think where I think we're opening up I think we're we're hoping for getting to good and then staying there like plateauing at at that thing that's really working for us and not realizing we have to change constantly to get where we are yeah so anyway that's my philosophical (laughs) Oprah moment we have a guest Lori we do we've been talking to her have we not allowed her to introduce herself yet we haven't should we do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or do should you, we just continue to talk about her like she's not in the room? We should. We should. Do you want to do it? Do you want me to do it? I would like you to do it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Give you back your power. Oh, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Who are you? Um, I'm Grace Bonnie, probably better known to your audience as wife of Julia Tertian. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Chris only I, refers I to you know. as Design Sponge. I don't know. I only call you Design Sponge, <laughs> and that is how I will refer to you. You're, I do not mean to take away your humanity. I apologize. You are a person, not a brand. I'm a person who named my brand something with the word sponge in it, so wow. I will forever rue my 23-year-old self for choosing that name. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Memorable. It's very memorable. Uh, So uh, apologies if I do end up calling you Design Sponge. It is out of love and not in any way to... um, Be a creep. Yeah, to be a creeper (laughs) in any way. Um, There are lots of creepy things that we'll talk about that we talked about with Julia, like how I use your animals (laughs) to express my emotions with one of my friends, Katie. Shout out to Katie. We would know you from Design Sponge, I'm going to say. Where else? I think else? most people would know me yeah. from Design Sponge, uh, which is a design blog I started, uh, which is probably not really so much about design anymore, but that's how it started back in 2004. 
Um, and then I wrote a book called In the Company of Women a few years ago. And then now I run a magazine called Good Company, yeah. which is an extension of that book. And you have a podcast. Oh, I do. Yes. I had a, well, I had a podcast for two years um, back on Heritage Radio in Brooklyn called After the Jump. And that was kind of what inspired me to do the book in the company of women. And then this year I brought back a new podcast related to Good Company, which is very much in the vein of the previous show, which is interviewing creatives in a wide range of fields about very uncomfortable topics. Yeah. Like what? Like money. Like money. <laughs> and fear like and money. failure. Wow. Uh, like imposter syndrome. Yes. God, that is the buzzword of the most. You say yeah. it and I watch an audience just go, <gasps> yeah. yes. It's yeah. incredible how much that word seems to have permeated every community right now in such a big way. You've been someone who I've observed doing all kinds of things, throwing yourself into things. And so do you end up experiencing that imposter syndrome toward what's coming next? Or is it, I guess, how do you choose what to throw yourself into? I throw myself into things typically that I don't know how to do well yet. Um, it's why I started a podcast uh, back in whatever, 2013, maybe, um, because I was a terrible interviewer. Mm. I knew it. I was mm. very aware of it. Um, at the time, I still wrote the majority of the posts that were on Design Sponge, and interviews were having a moment where they were very popular. Um, and so they are not anymore. People don't have time to read that much on the internet. So I wanted to get better at it. Mm. And I realized that this would be a great way to throw myself in the deep end. And like the first six or seven episodes of that podcast are abysmal. And of <laughs> course, I lined up like all the biggest people I could get my hands on for those episodes. Mm -hmm. So I just wasted a lot of time with very important people. But by the end of it, I felt a lot more comfortable. And now I feel comfortable to, for the most part to walk into almost any situation relatively unprepared and still kind of handle myself well because at the end of the day I had to kind of forget who that person was in terms of what the rest of the world thought of them and just mm. have a conversation with a human being that happened to be across from me. Wow. So I feel a lot more comfortable with that now. Um, the magazine was a little bit different because I knew I knew nothing about that and very much avoided and ignored everyone's advice not to do that. Um, probably should have listened. <laughs> but it has been such a crash course in how working online and working in books has absolutely nothing to do with working on a magazine really? and how vastly different those things are and how much harder a magazine is. I just, mm. I had no idea. And George McCalman, who's our art director for this second issue and the third issue, really kind of has been very patient to school me on how different it is to work online and even with a book. They're just totally different entities. Top three ways that, th that it's different, magazine to, to online to book. So the flow is very different. I mean, Number the flow one. in all three of those is, is very different. Okay. Um, I'm so used to web, which is like, you don't control how anybody comes into something and where they go next. So mm. flow doesn't matter. Yeah. It really, do, Even mm -hmm. a homepage doesn't matter. No one reads a homepage anymore. So you can just kind of throw things in there and it doesn't matter. Uh, a book is, in, for the most part, much more formulaic. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to have like 95 different layouts in a book or no one will understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. So a magazine is that mixed layout of mm -hmm. some big story, some short, how much illustration versus how much photography and everything and the hierarchy of information is so important. And then what does it look like when it's actually shrunk down in your hands? So that's been a really big learning lesson. Um, the coordination of people, like mm -hmm. how many human beings that's I had to coordinate. It's, it. And within the company of women, we did 107 photo shoots in two months. And that was still easier what? than wow. this. <laughs> because this is every photo shoot has like a letterer, a photographer, uh, sometimes makeup, hair, glam, which 
I abhor that whole setup, but some people require that. And so coordinating all those different things. And I have I had some help with this. Mm-hmm. So but that was still just so much harder and realizing that something inevitably will fall through the cracks and make somebody very angry no matter it's just it's too much to coordinate as yeah. one human being. So that's number two. Yeah. Number three. Number three is that people don't buy magazines anymore. Really? <laughs> Yeah, probably should have been the first thing I focused on. <laughs> People seem to buy books, which is nice. Yeah. Um, like we have these events for the magazine. Inevitably, people will buy the book first and then right. be like, maybe I'll think about the magazine. I'm like, no, that's you're crazy. here for the magazine, which is, I mean, it's great because essentially that's still something that allows me to pay my bills, right. the book. But it's really difficult to get people to support a magazine. They mm-hmm. want to be associated with the concept of the magazine and events with the magazine and like the culture around the magazine, yeah. but the actual thing itself. And then I'll find people who I think will write about it online, but I don't think I've actually read it. Mm. And then that's a whole other weird thing. Maybe they've just, maybe they're just being phased out. I don't know. I don't know. Magazines. I, don't know. I will say like they, f- there's something about this tangible product that it's like, it's a commitment you know, to have it in your home and it's, and it's, you know, at some point it's going to kind of become stale. I mean, not to say that yours, yours seems like a more durable product, but in yeah. magazines in general, you know, there's a timeliness to it. There's kind of an expiration date. So it's like, do I want to commit to have this? I will say magazines have also, I don't know, like I got a bunch of episodes, or episodes, a bunch of issues of this, of, um, the most recent, I'll just say a men's magazine that was sent to me because there was something about Anthony Bourdain in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it and I, it's a men's magazine that I used to, I used to read uh, just for pleasure because there was a lot of great writing in it and it had a lot of content that even though it wasn't really geared toward me. And now it just feels like it's all fucking ads and it's all inserts and it's like, I have to work really hard to find the content in this magazine. Um, so it's... This is the state of publishing. Mm -hmm. It's you really either go two routes. Everything is all ads. Mm -hmm. um, And then increasingly those ads are less profitable and have more demands on the publishers, which is across the board print and online what's happening right now. Um, And then or you go VC slash some other person funding something, which is messy. And like with us, we work with our um, book publisher on this, which is incredible. And Artisan, our publisher, has taken a huge risk with this, and I so appreciate that. But it's also then you are in the position of a book publisher trying to figure out how to compete in a magazine market, which is very different, different distributors. Stores don't care about you unless you have 15, 20 magazines that you're offering. So if you're offering mm-hmm. one and we have a complaint, nobody cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough to make work. And I think, I think the thing most people aren't saying is that most magazines are not profitable. Like most yeah. independent magazines are not profitable or they're just not paying people very well mm-hmm. um, which for me was really important because good company is, is primarily focused on telling stories by and about people from underrepresented communities and so many of these writers and artists are people who are not typically supported by these bigger budget mm-hmm. magazines so I didn't want to come in and say hey we value you as a human being in your story but hey we're not going to value you financially so much of our budget is about supporting these people, which means we make no profit. Mm. Um, So I feel good about that internally, but as a business, I know that that's a difficult decision. Difficult discussions like that will be in issue three. Yeah, issue three is all about money. Mm. People backed out of being involved in that because it was so uncomfortable. Really? Yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't realize you actually wanted me to be honest about it or discuss numbers. And I didn't ask anybody to share like their salary or things like that. Although Mm -hmm. I gave them the option to if they felt comfortable. Um, But I thought it was really important that we talked about 
the reality of like, you know, some people are paid a lot more to do things. And it's not Mm -hmm. always as simple as like a gender discrepancy. Like, it's just who is your agent? Who Mm -hmm. represents you? Who Mm -hmm. are you coming in backing you? Those things make large financial amounts of difference. And I think it's important people to know that. And Julia and I talk about this all the time, especially with books, because I think the more transparent we are about advances or financial backing for projects, it's important for people to know what those companies have and what they're offering you and what they're not offering yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Because it always it always stings a little bit to find out that like so and so made five times as much as you did mm-hmm. and then no, you know, a certain project did better than another project, but they still are gonna make a ton more money because they're coming in with, you know, this type of agent or this type of press or whatever. And so I just think transparency across the board is important mm-hmm. whenever possible. So you're not getting filthy rich off of this beautiful magazine? No, quite the opposite. (laughs) I took my income out of Design Sponge this year, which was a really difficult decision. So I'm making no money right now, which is very uncomfortable. But Are you okay? I mean, I'm okay because I'm part of a two-income household. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. will not, I mean, I will not be okay to not make money forever by any means. But I knew that I could take a few months uh-huh. and figure out what am I doing, or I could continue to drain a website that, if I was the sole writer, could fully support me. But we are a team of people. And so at a certain point, you have to say, oh, I'm the problem. And so mm-hmm. I had to say, like, okay, well, if I take my income out, we can stay afloat for a while. And that became like the most obvious choice. And I think most people I talked to who run blogs thought that was a terrible decision. But I want to keep it afloat, at least for a little bit longer. And I think that there's more work to be done before we close and kind of end that chapter. But I'm a weight on that if I'm not the primary person producing content and Mm -hmm. I'm not anymore. So it just made sense, which on paper sounds good to me as a business owner. And then in real life, I'm like, oh, crap. Now I'm responsible (laughs) for making up that income, which was never that much anyway. But, you know, it's a lot harder to do just trying to figure out and piece together side projects. Folks, you've got to buy a good company. I mean, <laughs> you've got to go out and find this because I think the interviews that do happen and the discussions that happen within issue number one, which I've read, and thank you for issue number two, are trying to get at discussions that aren't just surfacey. Um, not that they're, you're, you're trying to go beyond pleasant yeah. In all of the conversations, you're trying to get to something that's yeah. worth picking up and hearing what these particular people have to say to each other or in response to to an interview. And I I can f- it's not that I'm not it's not that I'm uncomfortable hearing you talk about it. It feels like a big breeze came into the room and it's like, "Oh, you're actually telling us what your difficulties are and I, I'm going to guess that's what you're asking from your interview subjects as well in yeah. the next issue." We want to present humans because i think so much of in particular not just the creative community which the word creative is kind of complicated like i've gotten yelled at so many times for not including like scientists and doctors and i'm like you're Mm -hmm. right there there Mm -hmm. is creativity there and i have been limiting creativity to just fine arts but most publications that deal with creative people or with just entrepreneurs in general um just really focus on highlight reels and it's about like what award did you win and in reality that doesn't actually equal a sustainable business like the number of people who've won awards or get the most press or whatever who still are either relying on family money or just aren't making money or are living on a spouse's money it's it's quite large Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that but transparency is important and so that's why we really try to focus and present these fuller stories because i think a lot of people leave jobs very good jobs stable jobs because of this myth of like 
you know, the florist who runs this like epically beautiful business where they run through the woods collecting, you know, anemones <laughs> all day. And in reality, they're not actually making any money or they're living off of somebody else's money, which is yeah. again, totally fine. But if you're not honest about that, it sometimes sets up this idea that a lot of very difficult business models are just a breeze. Mm. Yeah, in one of your latest uh, podcast episodes, you asked that question about, uh, that got to that, like, should you quit your job? And the person was like, God, <laughs> no, Adam JK. no, <laughs> don't, don't. Because you go from the steady income to unpredictable, um, Project by project. Lori, I know you often work project by project, right? Yes. Well, you know, that was, I mean, I was always one that, that I was very firm about always having a steady job. Um, no matter what creative stuff I was doing on the side, to me, it was always very important to, um, you know, that's why I was Anthony Bourdain's assistant for nine years. I mean, I loved him and that, that you know, that job grew into something more than just an administrative assistant. But, you know, it was very important to me just to know that some of my income was going to come from not just what I could make out of my head, you know, but like what service and value I could deliver to someone and get a steady paycheck for it. Um, Were he still around, I would still be doing that job. So I'm in this this sort of scary place right now. And I try not to think about it too much. But uh, this this place of for the first time in my working life, um, with, you know, a few exceptions of of really just knowing that any money I'm going to make uh, from now on is going to be, you know, from the writing that I do. Um, and that may change. I mean, I have two books, I have two book contracts that I have to fulfill. And I don't think I can write those books in the amount of time that I have, and also have a full time job. But at some point, I mean, it's still very much on the table, the idea of, but then I'm like, the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I really, um, not, not that this is about me, but I'll just quickly no, say, um, you, please. I, uh, I didn't love after, after the novelty wore off, I did not love working for magazines and I don't even know. And I've been out of that game now since 2009. I don't even know if there's a place for me. I think I'm probably too old and too, you know, not tech savvy enough and maybe unwilling to, to do the things that it would take to, um, you know, I, I always felt like I had too much to do as a web editor at a magazine, and now I feel like I probably had it really fucking easy compared to if I were to try and, even if I were to get one of these jobs, which I think are incredibly competitive, if I were to go back into it, I would be asked to do so much more than I was doing 10 years ago. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I might just become a dishwasher or something. I sure. don't know, you know. Well, I think uh, anybody listening to this that wants to contact Lori for a job, <laughs> I think she's made a good case for herself yeah, right so. there. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. I will alphabetize your pretzels. I will, you know, steam clean your children. I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, we we make nothing off of this podcast. We lose yeah. some. I yeah. think we've sunk We might some. break even this year with that one essay that I'm yeah, supposed to be yeah. writing. Lori's, Lori has been commissioned to write an essay about this podcast, which is awesome. So thank you, um, Nick Kwa, uh, for that opportunity. I think that's awesome. So we'll let readers know. But I think that's our first income that's yeah. that's coming our way. People have been generous with gifts. People of <laughs> Haichu certainly has been very yes. generous with product. Yep. Yep. So thank you, Haichu. Yep. Well, also, and, uh, you pen- know, we're we're available we'll take sponsorship and i think trying to go ahead i was going to say like there's the patreon model that that people are doing increasingly it's a tricky one yeah i feel really i mean some of our you know our our canadian best friends um retail nightmares do it and i think it's great it's it's 
pays their bills, you know, their recording and, and the costs that they have, and I guess to buy drinks for their guests or whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've always been very squeaky about asking, just straight up asking people for money. It feels very uncomfortable. So I'm, I'm hesitant to do it. So what's your I, advice? I have thought about that so many times, and it is a constant conversation we have. And we were talking earlier um, about Tavi Gevinson and rookie closing. And one of the things she mentioned in her closing editor's letter was how uncomfortable she felt with the concept of asking her audience to contribute or pay or things like that. And I think for some forms of media, it makes sense. Like um, as a queer person, I read a lot of queer media and it's almost all supported by a paywall mm-hmm. or some mm-hmm. sort of thing of like, you know, there's a, a like a fancy VIP section. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all say at the top, like, if you don't support queer media, it does not exist. And they're very aggressive about it. And Mm -hmm. I kind of love that because it's true. Mm -hmm. There's no mainstream funding for that. And if there is, it becomes like a gross pride float version of it where everything is like a Sky Vodka ad and, okay. or everything's a celebrity that someone thinks might be gay. And then that's like as close as we get to content. So I think that it is important to kind of remind people that if you don't support independent media or some form of slightly more niche or identity-based media, it will not exist. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't seem to be working. (laughs) Like I know the people who run most of those publications and they're still struggling to break even. Mm -hmm. And I think advertising is gone, which leaves you in this place of, do you produce a product? Do you produce an event? What other thing do you support to make this publication more than it is. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of work. There's the volume of work that is required of publishers and just humans now, like to be a web editor. I was a web editor for House and Garden Magazine for two years and best job I've ever had. And that doesn't exist anymore. Like the Mm -hmm. idea that I could just sit there, write my articles, put them up and then maybe Mm -hmm. respond to comments. Like I'd be required to go to like a bunch of different sponsored events, do branded content with other sponsors, create custom content that lives on other people's websites. Like you'd have to do 10 times as much work for probably less money now. And at a certain point, is that worth it? Right. For me, it's not like. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I uh, started out my career as a speech teacher. Really? In high school. Oh, you didn't know? I know. Okay. So I taught high school uh, for two years. I always knew that I would be a teacher. Uh, my dad was a school superintendent growing up, so I always, knew, I always knew public school systems, and I knew what that looked like. Uh, I have a brother who's a teacher. The other brother's a dairy farmer. Um, so I started out in teaching, but knew I wanted to get out, but didn't know how. But I was just, I was, today I was talking with, uh, I was asked to speak with a friend of a client who came in and he's a sophomore in college. Mm -hmm. And I was told to, you know, I had to explain what I do and it's not what he wants to do, but I Mm -hmm. wanted to start, you know, how did I get where I am? Which is, which was a question and not on this podcast, but in like my real life. And I said, well, I started out as a high school teacher. I coached the speech team and I directed the play and musical every year. And I made $35,000 and I was working 18 hour days, six days a week. And that was 1995, 96, right? So yes, incomes have increased certainly since the, over the last 20 ish years, but not that much. Yeah. And when you start to look at, you know, how much time you're putting into something and what you're getting back and the emotional toll of taking care of children, it's it's so much, and it's not it's not that it wasn't worth it. 
it's just it's not sustainable it wasn't sustainable Mm -hmm. and i was newly married and my wife is going we're in the middle of indiana she has her master's in theater history and criticism and wants to go act in chicago and then new york you know we gotta go yeah. We got to go. I'm not sure how we got there, but God bless it. <laughs> God bless speech teams. If anybody wow. wants to talk about, uh, you know, if you did forensics in high school, let me know. Happy wow. to trade stories. Did you? What did you do, Grace? I was not very good. That's fine. <laughs> I thought that was one of those things. I think at an early age, I tried to do what I was doing now unsuccessfully, where I was like, I'll do this thing and it'll make me comfortable with other people. Yeah. Opposite did not work. Well, good for <laughs> Made you me for less doing comfortable. It. Dropped out of a lot of clubs in high school That's and in right. college, um, but I got there. Eventually, learned how to like introduce myself to other people and not be super uncomfortable with it. it just took me like. 15 years. <laughs> I'm still working on yeah. it. So awkward why it was when you came in the room. I was like, I'm going to stand up now and shake your hand. Like I had to narrate my own actions to like get myself to do them. So It's funny how that changes in certain, Julie and I were at a wedding of a friend of ours and it was full of like cool, creative people. People that I write about all mm. the time and people who I think on the internet would be, I'd be very comfortable talking to, but then in real life. And she just couldn't stop laughing. And she was like, who are you right now? Like, you don't know how to talk to people. She's like, you know that person. Just go say hi. And I'm like, but we don't talk in real life. And so it's very different. And there are these other people who are cool, who I know, like, you know, do this online. And that's really neat. And she was like, be an adult. Like, go talk. (laughs) You know how to do this. But our, like, social skills change in different Mm -hmm. settings sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I'm so much more comfortable in a professional situation than I am in a personal situation any day. Yep. Same, same. I'm actually, I'm equickly uncomfortable in both. <laughs> <laughs> Lori. <laughs> yes. Are Let's you... keep those coughs. Yeah, okay. Let's keep all yeah. of that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, we have candy. Yeah. Can we take a candy break? Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So I went across the street and I got Haichu. Now, I did have a pack of mango that I had in my um, pocket. So <sighs> that is Gross. pocket Haichu. You're not. You don't have to have <laughs> the mango in the sleeve. Uh, we have we have two kinds for you to choose from. We have the tropical flavor. So we've got mm. kiwi, mango, pineapple, and then we've got red. What are those? Just strawberry? Red. Red. <laughs> red. Like Starburst. Yeah, Starburst just has the red. Immensely fruity, intensely chewy candy. Ju- they're just strawberry. Just strawberry. Mm, just strawberry. So choose your poison. It's not my favorite. Good, right. That. That strawberry anything is not my favorite. Oh, it's, it's not. I want to try one of the mango. And I just Tropical. also want to give out a shout out to anybody else with type 1 diabetes because I, na- oh, I nailed I my forgot. timing of this. For, I knew that my blood sugar would dip low if I drank coffee this morning. So I've timed this so I can eat one of these. Oh, my God. Without insulin, which anyone else with type 1 lis- listening will be very impressed. Um, Thank you for managing I'm so closely. I'm very excited about wow. this. This means this covers my about to beep and dip low thing perfectly. Can we talk about your type 1? Sure. All right. While you're chewing. Mm. God, that's good. Mm. Yeah, the kiwi's mm. really right, good, kiwi? isn't it? That's really good. Yeah. I love high chew. It's the best. It really is. I mean, we're a high chew podcast. But you keep saying that, but, we but until we see a check, we are not. <laughs> All right. We are then we're friends of high chew. High chew, we're friends. This mm-hmm. is no longer a high chew podcast. We are friends of the chew. Mm-hmm. No, not the chew. That was a bad TV show. Oh. Friends <laughs> no, of, God. I'm editing that out because fuck him. Um, <laughs> it's been a we year. We are friends of high chew. Mm-hmm. It's a high amount of chew. But you're open to other friends. We're a high amount <laughs> yes. of friends. Yes. We're available. We're available and we can be bought. Yeah. Uh, people that I would like to be bought by. 
Triscuits. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Triscuits, I am slutty for you. <laughs> I am horny for you. Wow. I will so do it with you. So many of my least favorite you. words all in a row. Triscuits, I will do it with you. <laughs> I will do it. There are new ads, the Triscuits. though. Haven't seen them, don't care. Not a fan. Don't oh. care. Ads come and go. Triscuits are timeless. Um, I find them to be very burlap-like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rip up your goddamn mouth. Yes. I, I like lived how on Triscuit pizzas in Triscuit college pizza where you just put nice. a whole bunch of them on a plate, a little spoon of tomato sauce, shredded cheese, microwave. Wow. So good. Wow. Does not do a body good, but yeah. very delicious. <laughs> That's wrong. They're very yeah, good they're for very you. They're very good. Very good I grew up you. in a very high fiber household. That mm. We ate a ton of Triscuits and a ton of grape nuts. Yes. Like I just grape nuts. So did we. all the carbs. Yeah. Grape nuts and not the flakes, the grape nuts. Yes. Yeah, the, the hard crunch. things that will very much like chip a piece of your tooth. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a little bit of TMJ disorder. And so I would get lockjaw. <laughs> like I would just fully lock up and not I like I'd have to stretch my jaw back open. Wow. From grape nuts, crackling oats. Oh yeah. Crackling oats. Crackling oat brand. Yeah, crackling oat that, brand. Is that the one All that's an O shaped? The O shaped <gasps> yeah. will shut me down. Wow. Yeah. But I would think also maybe like move things in other <laughs> sure. geography. Sure, sure, sure. Move just locks up my my jaw, yeah. but Your the train keeps locked, running. But the station is quite Open. efficient. <laughs> uh, when did you find out about your type one diabetes? I was not diagnosed until I was thirty three, which is um, not as rare as people think it is. So type, there's a big difference between type one and type two. Um, I have type one, which is the kind most people associate with like little children. Um, mm. And you get most people get it when they're little and you require insulin for everything you eat. Um, but you can totally get it as an adult. You can get it when you're like 70. Mm. It's just not talked about that often. So I got diagnosed when I was like 33, I think, and spent a year like crying on the floor about it. And yeah. then adapted like you eventually do. And with the aid of technology, it's much easier to manage than I think it ever has been. It's not easy, but it is manageable, which yep. is nice. Um, it's just, it drives me nuts that most people will be like, you shouldn't eat candy if you have diabetes. And I'm like, nope, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. I can eat anything. I just have to make sure I take insulin to cover it. Um, but there are so many like literal ups and downs with it that like caffeine and alcohol, um, I don't drink, but I drink a lot of caffeine and caffeine makes your blood sugar dip low like four hours later. Mm. So woke up early this morning, drank my caffeine and thought, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be candy on that table. <laughs> yes. You timed it right. I did. Do you have a sort of canned response for people when they're like giving you unsolicited health advice? I honestly am just really careful not to talk about it in a way that invites that. It still mm-hmm. happens. Like the number of people who tell me like, if you were a vegan or if you take oh, cinnamon God. pills or what other bullshit, it's just, I'm lucky enough that that stuff doesn't bother me because mm-hmm. I have, 15 years of people saying other bullshit to me on the internet that I just (laughs) don't care anymore. But there are a lot of people for whom that is their first time getting like feedback from people on the internet. And it's really Mm -hmm. damaging to tell anybody anything about their body. And I just, I loathe that part of the internet that makes Mm -hmm. people like medical, Mm -hmm. air quotes, medical experts um, Mm -hmm. on someone else's body. Because what works for one person doesn't work for another person. That's true of everybody's body and every condition. And it, just infuriates me like I was reading something on I think man repeller yesterday and I mostly love man repeller um, but they were talking in the, the car sorry the title of the article was like 
you know, skip your low carb diet, it could kill you. And then there's literally <laughs> nothing in the article that references that headline at all or anything, which to me just drove me nuts. And then all the comments I thought would be like, hey, this is misleading. And all the comments were like, yes, like throw out that potato unless you want to die at 45. And I was like, the amount of irresponsible commentary happening here is Oof. just really sad. And then I have to remind myself like, where are you reading this? What particular yeah. audience of people yeah. are commenting mm -hmm. here? And it's kind of the goop generation of like, all carbs are bad. And I have to remind people like, everything is a carb, like vegetables have carbs, lettuce mm -hmm. has carbs. Like it's part of what you need to live as a human being and keto and all that sort of stuff that comes in that conversation. Like you are still eating carbs if you're doing keto, yeah. you're just avoiding like a lot of very particular refined carbs. So yeah, it drives me nuts when people say stuff like that. Yeah. It's just rude. Check out the mom blogs sometimes oh, no. or the mom. Uh, Stay far away from those. Yeah, it's really, it's just, <laughs> it took me like a year after having my son to be like, oh, like 50% of these people are fucking crazy. And the rest of us are just extremely sleep deprived. Because it's like every, yeah. every, you know, it's very alarmist. It's very, it's very, you know, everything's anecdotal. There's like not a shred of science. It's just, and everyone's just looking for an answer. You know, like I think about all the, money I wasted on like a thing that was going to make a thing happen in a specific way so that I could get an extra 20 minutes of sleep or whatever. It's yeah. just, it is craziness. I think the worst parts of the internet are just rooted in fear. And mm -hmm. I try to remind myself, everyone's just scared and we're, we're clinging to things that make us feel comforted. And I think there's kind of like a lack of just giving people the benefit of the doubt before you leave a comment, which I know is a hard thing to do, and I, I do it all the time, um, where I'm like, oh, I get outraged about this thing and immediately mm -hmm. want to comment, and then I have to like pull myself back and say, who's the person leaving the comment, or who's the person who wrote the thing or did mm -hmm. the thing? Are they someone who has you know, mostly worked toward the direction of trying to do good work? If so, maybe I'll write them privately and have a conversation so first. Nice. And that is very, very rare. And one time, um, Tim, who runs Lottie and Doof, wrote me a message because we had written a post on Design Sponge um, about families. And I had said something about a family that essentially implied that a family had a child. And I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I am a part of a family that does not have a child. And Tim wrote me very kindly and was like, I want you to know how that made me feel. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, you're so right. Like, I don't know what I was thinking and what that moment was, but thank you for reaching out to me. And the fact that he chose to do that privately really kind of stayed with me as like, keep this in mind when you are upset, if it is someone that you feel probably is going to be receptive to that feedback, write them an email. You don't need to like call everybody out online. Call out culture has made the internet very complicated. There's so many good food writers right there now. There's so many. Who do you love? Yeah. I, oh, Julia. Who else uh, do you love? Elazar. Elazar Sontag. No, I don't know. <gasps> I don't okay, know. welcome to your new best friend. Okay. Hi, Elazar. Um, just an incredible human being. The thing that stands out to me about Elazar is that he's written for Good Company and we've been really lucky to work with him. We were talking one time about kind of this new generation of writers and he was talking about not having any interest in being like a personal writer. Mm. And I find that so rare. And yeah. obviously at any point in his life, he can choose to write about personal things or put a personal spin, but to find a writer who's interested in just telling someone else's story yeah. and not injecting their own, like how this reminds me of what I did in college. And mm. I am that writer, it's super annoying. Um, <laughs> no. But it just, it was so refreshing to meet people who I think are interested in like, journalism mm. um that mm. to me is really exciting because it is very difficult to not come with a preconceived idea of what that story will be mm. um mm -hmm. or what your personal relationship to it is um yeah elazar osai 
Um, Corsha Wilson, so many great people. Where can we find Elazar, do you know? Yeah, E underscore Zar. He's at um, Serious Eats right now. Oh, good. And he wrote wrote his first cookbook about like a really beautifully wonderful diverse group of chefs from Oakland when he was like I think eighteen or something. Oh wow. My God. All right, design sponge. <laughs> yes. Call her by her name. <laughs> Grace. Grace. How can we support you? Where can we find you? So these days I live online, mostly on Instagram. Um, I'm at Design Sponge, which is my handle, or at Good Company, which is our Good Company handle. And Good Company is, I think, my kind of future. I think that's where I'm moving, whether or not it stays a print magazine, but moving in the direction of wanting to talk about people and not stuff anymore is Mm. kind of where my heart is. Yeah. You ready to do some lots of likes? I'm ready. Are you ready? You know about lots of likes. Yes. You've taken road trips and listened to all of the Carb Face episodes. I'm married to Juliet. She is like one of the biggest fans of your show. It's very flattering and it's you. very exciting. Yeah, God bless you. We've indeed. lately had some guests that are like, I'm a huge fan. And then we're like, well, do you know lots of likes? And they're like, no, no idea. No, no idea. No clue. Never listened to an never, single episode of your never podcast. Never made it to the end. Couldn't do it. That's the number of people who've come on to anything I've done and just said like, who are you again? Or Julie and I were talking about this trend of people coming up to you at events and going, I had no idea who you were until tonight. And I'm oh like, is that supposed to be a like, Thank you so much. And then Julia, one time her comeback was, well, I didn't know who you were until today. <laughs> always makes me so happy. Lori, would you, would you please introduce Lots of Likes? Yes. So we play a game. It's called Lots of Likes. To, to call it a game is to give it more respect than it deserves. Uh, it's very, very simple. We want to know what you like. Mm. And we may derail you a little bit if something strikes Chris's fancy. <laughs> Or Cliss is fancy, but probably Chris. Do you I think know about Cliss? Both- Cliss is new. Oh. He, he likes poppers and cocaine. Yeah. Cliss is uh, is an afternoon talk show. It's not unclear if it's TV or radio. He's just, it's kind of multi-platform. Mm-hmm. He's, but we'll say he's an afternoon talk show host. Um, not terribly successful. He's in like a third tier city market. And he may have some addiction issues, but he's very, he makes it very joyful. Sounds like an excellent Christopher Guest character. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that is kind he of... Would, he would be at home. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sometimes he comes over, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he's just passed out in the corner yeah. in his underpants. So anyway, um, we may derail you, but we just want to know what you like. And there's a couple ways to win the game. One is to run down the clock, which we may be... Yeah. Uh, we're kind of close, although yep. we could probably draw it out for a couple more minutes. Uh, one way is to just kind of blow our minds with something that's so outrageous, but I don't even know what sort of the metrics are for that. Like if you said mayonnaise sandwich. Right. That's Which is what Joe Am I Yonan, allowed to say more than just the thing or just the thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's very okay, free form. There's no yeah. rules. There's no, uh, there's no prizes, really. No. Or you can tell, and I sort of don't think this is going to happen, but you can mm-hmm. tell Chris to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And um, that ends it, and you and win immediately. The game. Um, so no one has done that since the inaugural uh, Lots of Likes, which was Jen Ag. Um, I think we just annoyed her. Uh, demanding more yeah. and more likes. It's a pretty passive aggressive, mostly aggressive. So you'll just stop me game. eventually. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. You're going to run Good the luck. clock. Yeah. So we believe in you. What do you like? RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. How much can I say about that? Uh, it has inspired my love of a winged eye, which you cannot see <laughs> on radio. It's very um, nice. I did not wear makeup until I was 36. Um, and it's so much fun now. I think that show has made me understand how silly gender is and 
how fun it can be if you divorce it from expectation and just mm. make it a fun thing. And I've convinced many of my friends who are also in my late 30s bracket to like embrace this as like a fun costumey way of yeah. enjoying appearance because there's a lot of pressure on women of particular age group I think to look very like refined and I don't know sophisticated in a way that I will never ever be and so I thank RuPaul for my newfound love of glitter <laughs> yes which is quite enjoyable what else do you like um so many things uh let's see the thing I'm really excited that I saw this morning was that um I love Whetstone magazine that Stephen mm. Satterfield is running mm, and they I don't just know it. <gasps> Okay. Uh, we well, have, I don't know anything. Lori, do you know it? I, I know, you know of I'm it. So I, don't, I don't know it deeply. I know that Food. I know that he just is. They've become like a multimedia company. Yes, right? which is very exciting. Um, Stephen and I share the same art director, George McCalman in Oakland, or sorry, in San Francisco, and it's very, very cool to see independent media growing and to see a publication that is talking about food from the perspective primarily of people of color, from immigrants, um, just from communities that I don't think get a lot of very respectful attention. Um, in food media, so I'm very excited about that. And Can you spell that for us? It's W H E T S T O N E. Thank you. And Stephen wet. Satterfield is in charge of it. Wet, oh wet. Yep. Stone. Super yes. wet. All right. Can I tell you about somebody on Instagram everyone should follow? Yes. yes. Who's in New Jersey, which also Great. Ocean Grove, New Jersey slash Atlantic City is having <sighs> such a moment right it now. Is. That could be a whole thing on its own. Yeah. Um, all of these interesting people that we know from the city are moving there. And I used to spend summers in Ocean Grove and I liked that it was a dry town because I don't drink and then it makes me feel less awkward about mm. not drinking. <laughs> um, but there is an incredible embroiderer there named Tessa Perlow. And her Instagram handle is Tessa underscore Perlo, which is P-E-R-L-O-W. And she is this like interesting, slightly subversive uh, embroiderer who wow. does really fun, slightly gothy, slightly just wacky work, which makes me so happy. And it's rare that I go to someone's Instagram feed without it like popping up in my mm -hmm. scroll. And mm -hmm. I every morning go and I'm like, what did Tessa make? <laughs> and oh. if she ever hears this, I probably am like the biggest creeper of her work now. Excellent. But Excellent. I think she's incredibly talented and that makes me very happy. We'll put her in the show notes and definitely yeah, get her. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else do you like? A video that everyone should go look at right now, which is Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye yeah. learning how to ice skate and a crop top <laughs> and sweatpants. Oh my God. Um, Julia sent it to me last night and was like, look at his tiny belly as he like skates around and he is <sighs> so happy. Um, there's something about Jonathan Van Ness's love of, of a crop top and like embracing like a bit of just an adult sized normal human being belly. Mm. Um, it's just joy. Um, I think he's a lot for some people, but I find him just, I don't know, I just, a reminder to have fun yeah. and that mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter what you do or how old you are, but like have a good time and do something silly. And so much of social media, I think is about being like very polished and very perfect. And I would go ice skating with him in a crop top any day. Excellent. Wow, I like that. <laughs> yes. What else do you like? Tease for Togo. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, Togo the Country, tees being t-shirts, uh, it is a project that Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill is doing, and wow. she has been just like, I, I, I personally hate this word, but it's actually very appropriate right here, like a crush of mine for like ever. Um, I went to this all-girls summer camp in West Virginia growing up, and it was where I learned about like all things queer and riot girl and awesome, and it was like when I came alive as a human being, and someone gave me a mixtape 
of Kathleen Hanna, Bikini Kill, L7, um, all of these like really great Riot Girl bands. And I've been following Kathleen ever since. And I got to interview her for Good Company a wow. few weeks ago and go to her house like it was a totally normal thing. And like wow. she's married to Ad Rock and the Beastie Boys, and they're all just like sure. hanging out in California. And I'm like, hey, here's my Zoom recorder. Hang out with me. Wow. Um, and she just launched this project, and it's all to benefit um, this educational program in Togo that sends girls to school. And they did this very cool line of T-shirts that have comedians on them, and. I find a lot of people who work in some sort of creative field, we all look at comedians as like the cool kids that mm. will never be cool yeah. enough to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And she's the same way. And that made me so happy. I was like, oh, you also think like Aparna Nantrala is the coolest person in the world. She's, so like, cool. that's, mm -hmm. she's also on the cover of the third issue of Good Company. Right. Yay. Um, so yeah, that's somebody that I'm very excited about. And that project is really cool. I think we have time for two more. Okay. Yes. Can we talk about food-specific things? Yeah, of course. That's your choice. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, can I talk about Julia's applesauce cake? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, and the please. Instagram famous. The bulk. That is, we talk about that all the time. Like, what do, what is that? And, like, how does that happen? Like, when her book came out, I was like, I wonder if any of this will, like, have a viral moment. And mm -hmm. if so, what will it be? And can we predict it? And I predicted cake based on Design Sponge. Like, a cake or a salad. Nothing mm -hmm. in between mm -hmm. ever seems to do well. <laughs> um, but her applesauce cake means a lot to me because it's the one of the things she made to adapt for my type one and it's like this beautiful recipe that tastes like a normal cake but has like very little sugar in wow. it mm. and it just reminds me like how kind of that she is and how lucky I am to be with somebody who's constantly thinking of like ways to be inclusive in their cooking and it's just so beautiful and we got to make a ginormous batch of it this past weekend for the firefighters who like kept us safe a few weeks ago when the, yeah. our neighbor's barn burned down, which is very close to our house. Um, and so I got to deliver like this giant, you know, like a party size platter of that cake and then explain it to this like whole room of very conservative firefighters <laughs> <laughs> and like getting to say like, oh, my wife made this in front of that audience was, yeah. was very special. It's also just really fucking delicious. I am reluctant to say this, so if I offend, please tell me. How's that? <laughs> I'm ready to be offended now. <laughs> yeah. No. One of the things that I like about your um, your stream is how beautiful things are, right? I like the joy um, on Instagram, right? Yeah. Like the joy that you bring. I love the, the spark. Um, I think Julia you're two separate people, you're individuals, but when she shows photos of you, they're always so loving and so caring. And the photos she showed of you working and cooking mm. for the fire people's dinner, firemen's dinner, you look so strong and determined. And there's something about that photo. It was not loving. It was like, strong and determined and I love that photo I love that look of you um, and you. I don't think it's one that I had seen before I'm sure you express it every day <laughs> um, but it's not one that I got to see and I was just like that that moment it was really beautiful thank you it was an exciting photo thank you that I think the work and and Julia is the reason that I've gotten to do any of that work because I've never done anything in food prior to being with Julia and she got us into Angel Food East which is the place we volunteer every Thursday morning and cook and she's the one who was like, why don't we cook for the firefighters? So it's, I'm very thankful for that. And it's it's taught me emotional strength. It's taught me physical strength. I mean, cooking with bulk containers that are like the size of my body has mm -hmm. been fascinating. Um, and also to see like, just how meaningful that is. Like Julia expresses herself through food at all times. 
and I like grew up with an eating disorder and and food is a very complicated medium for me and she has really taught me like to just put all that aside and understand like what a vessel it can be for just love and support and that is a beautiful thing getting to do it for anybody that's that's not us is is such a gift last one last one what else Uh, do you like let's see let's end on something really positive that's hard these days. <laughs> oh, no, you know what? I want to end on um, on Rookie and the closing mm-hmm. and the way that Tavi Gevinson handled the end of an era. Um, I think it's so tempting when something closes to make a lot of money off of it or like just do something that's about like capitalism and like how do I just get the most before I close sure. this door and watching somebody close something that started and ended as an art project that was about community was so beautiful. And I hope that all of us who've had the good fortune to be publishers at some point, whether it's a podcast or a blog or even just an Instagram feed, look at that as an example of how to go out with class mm. because that was that was beautiful. And it really, and that's coming from someone who's in their 20s. And I think millennials often get written off as like so for surface level and not knowing anything about what it is to be a business owner or to really like conduct themselves online. And I think that was just such a shining reminder that integrity does not know any age and that was just such a beautiful way to end like such an important project last one last thing last thing you end your podcast with pay it forward so pay it forward on one person can it be a thing or does it have to be yes, a person? Yes, of course. Um, I want to pay it forward to the Sato Project because you all have been so nice to our dogs. <laughs> and our dogs both came from the Sato Project, which is literally like one human being named Chrissy Beckles, who is a former beauty executive turned boxer. Wow. Sure. Um, sure. And she like drags dogs off of the beach in Puerto Rico. And wow. we have been fortunate to adopt the two dogs that I think almost were about to be her dogs. And so yeah. they've, we've had a special connection with her because of that. And I became a different person when we adopted a dog. Like it made me understand what it, how important it is to be responsible for something other than yourself. Mm. And we have her to thank for that and for both of our dogs. And so anyone working in dog rescue or any type of rescue just big thank you especially this time of year it's a lot of work and Mm -hmm. they don't get thanked enough beautiful thank you grace thank you for being our guest thanks for having me wonderful this was like the most sincere uh and yet also fascinating sometimes sincerity can be a little dull so it's not you know it's not always compatible with comedy but like i'm i'm as as we're talking i'm always thinking like what what's the edit points because we you know we edit yeah. i'm like i don't think we're gonna edit this one at nope. all i hope Pretty i didn't good. bum you all, all out too much. In. no no <laughs> no not at all no it's, no being honest is not if i can give this out. if i can give it a uh an, an immediate assessment it's very, very Big good. Big win. Nice yep. job. Yeah. You won. You won card face. <laughs> you won card face. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.